Months before millions of Kenyans went to the polls in the country's 12th general election, pundits had labelled this the most competitive election in the country's history. The stakes were high as opposition stalwarts Raila Odinga and incumbent Deputy President William Ruto were among the four politicians bidding to succeed two-term President Uhuru Kenyatta. As Kenya's history has shown, the more fierce the political contest, the higher the risk of election-related violence, often carried out by gangs and militias at the behest of politicians with the aim of influencing the outcome of an election. From the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime, welcome to Africa and the Global Illicit Economy. I'm your host, Lindim Tongana. In this episode, we'll explore the role organized criminal gangs play in determining political outcomes. Kenyan gangs are highly politicized, meaning that they are either involved in politics or are founded and financed by politicians. That's Ken Opala. Kenya analyst for the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime. In fact, there was a recent report by the National Coalition and International Commission that said gangs are 90% financed by politicians or business people in Kenya. And the implication here is that they may be engaged in various crimes or criminal activities or their allegiance politicians and can thus be summoned by their, of course, the sponsors to undertake dirty political work. Ken, when it comes to elections, what does this dirty political work look like? Gangs play a number of roles in politics, but I think the, the main key, the main key is to assist their sponsors to ascend to power through violence and illegal means and ways. In Kenya's case, apart from the elections of 2002, of course, in which the ruling party was voted out of power, the 1992 and the 207, 2007 elections were, of course, remarkably uh, violent. Thousands of people died in clashes at the hands of gangs and the militias. The 2007-2008 post-election clashes were a tragic and horrifying display of violence at the hands of various groups, among them gangs, militias and law enforcement. Over 1,000 people were killed. Then Kenyan President Uhuru Kenyatta and his deputy William Ruto were charged with crimes against humanity at the International Criminal Court. But the trial ended in 2015 due to a lack of evidence and alleged witness tampering. Ken, considering that the kind of wide-scale violence seen in 2007-2008 is fairly rare in Kenyan politics, what are some of the less extreme methods gangs or militias resort to in an effort to influence elections? Looking at broadly, they play a major role in the intent of influencing the outcome of elections. And they can do this in several ways. One is that they can act as security to financiers by assuming the roles of bodyguards, or they can mobilize crowds for rallies. They can raid a polling station and stuff ballots in boxes. They can disrupt voting and also disrupt campaign rallies of the rivals. They can raise campaign funds for their sponsors through extortion, such as in the matatu industry or through bank robberies. They also impersonate uh, absentee voters. They can go to polling stations and uh, vote a number of times. They also can contest election results through violent demonstrations. And of course, at the campaigners, they can heckle the rivals of their sponsors. They can also bribe voters. And uh, perhaps this is an important issue. Militias can be used to zone off areas 
for their financiers. This is by creating exclusive voting zones for their financiers. Perhaps at worst, they can kidnap and assassinate candidates, as well as election officials. In the build-up to this year's elections, was there a sense that gangs or militias would cause violent disruptions to the polls? The National Cohesion and Integration Commission has identified 23 counties as electoral hotspots. What this means is that, administratively, half of the country is threatened by electoral violence at the hands of criminal gangs and militia. Police in Nakuru have launched a manhunt for a gang believed to be behind the killing of five women in Mawanga area Bahati constituency in the last two weeks. The gang members who have been operating during the day are said to be targeting young women, sexually assaulting them before killing them and burning their bodies to conceal evidence. Interior Cabinet Secretary Fred Matiangi has announced that a special operation has been launched to deal with the gang of criminals identified as confirmed. Less than two months before the national elections, media in Kenya began to report on a spate of killings in a low-income suburb of Nakuru County, about 160 kilometers northwest of the capital, Nairobi. The killings were disturbingly brutal and targeted women only. They were raped, tortured, and some burnt to death. Seven suspects were apprehended. Authorities have not decisively established a link between the murders, criminal gangs and the elections, but social activists and local researchers in the area believe these events are typical of gang tactics in the lead-up to elections. In Nakuru this year, we've, we've experienced a big rise in gang violence and criminal violence in different areas. There have been reported cases of killings targeting women in, in an area called Mawanga. Between six to eight women have been killed and the killings have been linked to gangs. This is Gregory Ochieng Onyango, an activist and an artist. Gregory, even if these killings are linked to gangs, why do you believe they're also related to the elections? After the public put pressure on the government, there, there was a, a local baraza that was called and it was chaired by the county commission of police. In attendance were local politicians from the county assembly, members of county assembly to the area MPs, the senator and the governor. The member of parliament for Bahati constituency, Mr. Nkunjiri, said that the intention of the killings is to instill fear among the residents so that they can move out and not really vote. So it's like a, a killings to instill fear in an effort to try and manipulate the outcome of the election by pushing people away from that area so that they don't get a chance to vote. Esther Njeri Kimani is the CEO of Art for Rights Kenya, a community-based organization in Nakuru that uses art to advocate for human rights. With elections, you'll feel the tension. When you're working in Nakuru, you'll feel the tension because the gang members are there to intimidate people. I don't want to say that women are the weaker, weaker gender, but they are more vulnerable when it comes to guns, you know. The risk of attacks more, you know, especially when there's a revenge mission on, on two guns. Women always fall and become the victim. They can be in the line of fire. They risk being raped, 
even in the community it's not safe for them it's not safe for the girls just to walk around with the support of the Global Initiatives Resilience Fund, which supports community responses to organized crime, Esther and her team recently conducted research into the activities and behavior of gangs in Nakuru. They found that beyond election season, gangs are a persistent and growing threat to community safety. I think one of the major things that, that, that we saw is that uh, the gang problem, uh, especially in Nakuru, uh, it was escalating, you know. Every time there are new guns coming up, every day you'll feel like this thing is not going away. It is increasing, you know. The number of guns, splitter guns from maybe a main gang, and things are getting worse. And then there's also the recruitment of children in, into gangs, you know. Children as young as eight years were being recruited into crime and nobody was talking about it, you know. And then some areas in Nakuru you visit, it's, it's just hell. You cannot go there because of gang activity. The state has in effect failed to effectively respond to the gang phenomenon. Gangs operating in Kenya enjoy a degree of impunity due to their relationship with politicians and the police. Here's Ken Opala. What I'm trying to say is if there were effective measures against these gangs, we won't see them mushroom all over. You know, we won't be talking about these gangs doubling every year. It's also good to analyze the few uh, approaches that have been taken by the government just to get to understand how futile measures have been. In 14 years, the government has outlawed criminal gangs countrywide. That was uh, 10 in 2003, in 2010, and 96 in 2016. But we see the numbers have grown. The first measure that the government has been using is, 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 is banning, is outlawing. But I think people feel this is self-defeating because how do you outlaw, how do you outlaw something that's not been legal in the first place? It's futile, you know, it's, it's, it's really futile. And again, as much as the government says it's been banning these gangs, but this is not enforced, you know what I mean? There's no enforcement really. The second measure that the government has been using is extrajudicial killings, that gang members have been identified um, and then, of course, killed without due process of the law. If you look at the sponsors of the criminal gangs, a number of MPs have been arrested, but none of them have been convicted. And there hasn't been really any effective measure against the, uh, the criminal gangs and the militia. It's all musical chairs. The failure of government to effectively respond to gangs has left community-based organizations and other stakeholders to attempt to fill that gap. I think there's a lot that needs to be done when it comes to guns, because these push and pull factors that have forced them to be in gangs, you know. Some of them went out. An interview we did of a former and a, and a current gang member, they both said if they get genuine work that will put food on their table, they will be out, you know. So if they can get alternatives, ways of earning a livelihood, I feel they can really get out of the guns. And then I, and I feel the government, the CSOs, the NGOs, the police, all stakeholders can work together towards reducing uh, guns in, in Nakuru. The GI's Ken Opala suggests some very specific steps that could be taken to mitigate the power and influence of gangs particularly during elections. I think Kenya needs a special tribunal 
that draws local experts and reputable international persons to look at the issue of, of criminal gangs in elections. Because what we have at this particular moment is that there seems to be a missing link here. And the elephant in the room is that nobody seems to link election violence to organized crime. That people are looking at election violence as just any other violence, you know. And uh, nobody wants to look at it as, as organized violence. There are candidates who are sitting down and are looking at the logistics and planning. So the important thing is first to, to, to link it, to link electoral violence to organized crime. At the broad level, it will identify the candidates and sponsors of election violence and look at the history of election violence over a long period. So a special tribunal is, is very, very important, an independent special tribunal with experts from Kenya and out of Kenya. Because if you look at the Kenyan the election, election of electoral violence in Kenya, it's cyclic. It's been happening every year since, since independence. So we need a holistic approach, and especially a tribunal can do that. We also need to look at the election campaign financing and spending mechanism. It's very, very important because uh, we need to map and see how these politicians are using their money, whether this money seems to, to go to leak to, to, to criminal gangs, or whether this money is sourced at the hands of illegal groupings. And then it's also important to enforce the anti-money laundering laws because I think that this, some of these funds that finance electoral violence must have come from money laundering. So it's important to, to do that. But more important is to enforce the electoral legislation and code of conduct because there are, I mean, there are so many laws. The laws are available. The laws are there to deal with this issue, but um, I think there's no, there's no, no enforcement at all at all. And perhaps another important one is um, if you can establish a special fund to benefit women candidates because they are the most disadvantaged when there is election violence. What these efforts require, perhaps more than anything else, is political will, something researcher Gregory Onyango fears is sorely missing. I don't believe that any of the current top parties that are vying to lead this country can eliminate gangs because they're they are beneficiaries of the efforts and the activities of these gangs. Because these gangs help in financing their campaigns, they help in mobilizing, they help intimidating. So they, they really can't deal with gangs because they themselves are beneficiaries of these gangs. And even when they get to power, they can temporarily offer solutions where these gangs can pretend or can seem to, to have stopped criminal activities, but they are just having them in store for future use. So where does that leave Kenya? And what are the implications for Kenya's democracy? Here's Ken Opala once more. This is a major, major, major issue. If, if we don't move now, it means that we are killing democracy. It means that this country is going to be ruled, governed by criminals. This country is going to be a crime scene if we don't move fast. The winner-takes-all nature of Kenyan politics makes political positions extremely lucrative, incentivizing corruption and enabling the mobilization of gangs to terrorize communities and influence election outcomes. It's a scenario that deeply frustrates Kenyans across the country and has left youth in particular feeling disillusioned and distrustful of their leaders. It's a scenario that ultimately threatens the future of Kenya's democracy.
That's it for this episode of Africa and the Global Illicit Economy. From the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime, thank you to my guests Ken Opala, Gregory Ochieng Onyango and Esther Njeri Kimani. If you'd like to find out more about today's topic, look out for the latest report from Ken Opala on elections and gangs in Kenya. I'm your host, Lindim Tongana. Thanks for listening. <music>